I'm sat here with Nick Conway from George Glass, um, Scientology proves the existence of God. Um, thanks for being on the show, Nick. All right, thanks for having me here. <laughs> That's an absolute pleasure. Okay, so I'm going to dive straight into this. My first question, who is George Glass? Okay, George Glass is is nobody. Uh, have you seen the Brady Bunch? Uh, yeah, like like bits when I was a kid. It yeah, was... okay. There's a very Brady movie, uh, Jan's fake boyfriend. Yeah. She calls him George Glass. Uh, <laughs> And, and then I th- it's actually been picked up in a few other films. I think The Simpsons had a George Cauldron. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and, you know, I think Bridesmaids might have a George Glass as well. Like, it okay. kind of, there's a bit of a, bit of a kind of cult, uh, nice. cultish throwback there. But, um, yeah, so well, we were all fans of the Brady Bunch. So yeah, okay. that's why any, like, characters in our shows as well are generally named after the Brady Bunch. Okay. Yeah. So it's like paying a little bit of homage yeah. to, that, to that childhood show. Absolutely. Not that, you know, the shows have anything to do with Brady Bunch in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, after seeing your first show, after seeing, uh, I think it was about a week ago, I saw you guys do uh, George Glass Proves the Existence of God. And before I came to that show, I was with my makers, and we were like, oh, it's half 11, let's just see what's kicking around. And we saw the title, Proves the Existence of God, and we were like, this could be a very deep, heavy Christian uh, lecture. Yeah. We, we literally <laughs> had no idea what it was. We were like, let's walk in. Um, how could, for anyone who hasn't seen your show, yet uh, or anything that you guys have done uh, how would you kind of how, how would you pitch yourselves what's your elevator pitch for your show uh, okay it, first of all it's bizarre it's eccentric <laughs> right, uh, our big our big feature is live music we like live music we want it to be interesting music uh, we like lots of costume changes hundreds hundreds of costume changes just a lot of weird things being thrown we still want to maintain a storyline for the whole yeah. thing though people have kind of said are oh, you similar to Mighty Boosh uh, I don't know if we're that eccentric, you know, certainly, and those guys are, you know, the best at what, at that genre, certainly. Right, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we kind of go for that kind of strange, and that was certainly our, our pitch for the late night show. 11.30pm mm. kind of opens us up to doing whatever we want, certainly proving the existence of God. Uh, is there a danger of getting people who uh, seriously think we're going to address the question and answer it? And, yeah, I think that yeah. we've had a few, like, fundamental religious people come in. Uh, did you come on the night that someone was so drunk that they walked backstage and started throwing up? <laughs> no. No, that was that night. Okay. No, wow. I thought I thought he was walking out because he was uh, so offended. Yeah, okay. Uh, he was just walking out because he was far too inebriated, which is to be expected when you start your show close to midnight. Yeah, I mean, in this time, I mean, like, we're sat here now in the Adelaide Fringe Club. we got this month-long festival that anyone who's never been to Adelaide, I believe it's the biggest festival in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, it is. Second so, biggest in the world. Second apparently. biggest in the world. Yeah. And, like, you guys are doing late-night shows here. You're going to get a few people who are slightly intoxicated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ideally. That's that. Well, we are the, we're the pub state as well. There's a pub in every corner of every street. Okay. Uh, I've never heard about, like, uh, South Australia destri- described as the pub street. City uh, of churches, state. city of pubs. Okay. So, which is nice because when you do a show about God then mm. everyone can relate because if you're not in a pub you're in a church I mean it was it's kind of weird I mean working for the fringe and we have so many people come and they want to go to these different shows but they're not quite sure what to go to and they don't, don't always read the descriptions and even when I saw your show there was you know, maybe half a dozen of us who were like mid-twenties very sort of like this is awesome we're very much into this and then there were some older people and you could just sort of see on their face this is completely not what they were expecting yeah and, and we you know we try to give people as much warning as possible i mean the late night slot is kind of a, a pretty big neon sign to indicate that it's going to be a bit bizarre yeah and i think even if you're sitting in we, we, 
certainly the older crowd who maybe are a bit more conservative or weren't ready for it. Like that's not to say we've had some some oldies that have just absolutely loved it. But from the from the get go, when we start reenacting the Garden of Eden, like people kind of quickly work out whether or not they yeah. want to be sitting here for an hour or not. And we've had a few people like walk out straight away, <laughs> and that's fine. So, so tell us about this. Uh, so, the Garden of Eden, the story that everybody knows. How did you like the way you've adapted that? What was the influence putting that into your play? Where did that come from? Well, it was actually a bit of debate because the show's about working out whether God is real or not. But we didn't want to necessarily go for a Christian God mm. because we just we don't know whose God it is or if right. it is a God or what it looks like, anything like that. But you know, we want to be as non-discriminatory, we want to be as inclusive as possible. <laughs> you know, we wanna be we're not going after the Christians or you know, the Muslim faith or you know, no, 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 no. We're we're trying to include every religion and go after them equally. Uh, and so we're a little unsure about the Garden of Eden being a thing to open with but we had this like electronic track that was really serious and meant to be like really grand and it comes across as that <laughs> and we're like we might as well do something like a really interpretive beautiful serious dance uh, and that just happens to be I guess uh, Alistair who's a big burly man dressed as a tree and then a couple of us as Adam and Eve and an apple rolls in and we smell him and then a snake kind of yeah. slithers out of nowhere and then we chuck on some caps and do like a hip-hop dance and, <laughs> and then that's then we run out of ideas and we go to the first song i mean that's like when i mean that in itself is a great opening for a show but where, where do you do you kind of write the, the script and the music yourself or is it a, a collective decision that you guys uh you write together what is your writing process so when it comes to music it's it's pretty free-for-all we kind of all come in together and someone will have generally an idea and then everyone will kind of add on top like no one's writing all the parts for it it really is um, kind of a, a chorus uh, situation everyone kind of adds their own element uh, writing uh, certainly like I said all, all lines are up for debate I generally myself and one of the other guys kind of writes the bulk of, of the actual script okay and, and the storyline as well in this case the storyline is very loose fast and free but um, yeah, so really it is a, a big collaboration. It takes a while to kind of get through. I'd say this one took about six months, which maybe oh. is actually faster than, say, some of the musicals we've written, whereas that's been, you know, that takes a year to write. And then even once we've finished it, we continue to, like, chip away and rewrite things as the shows progress, you know. A little mean, bit of tweaks and what works with the crowd, what yeah, doesn't. Yeah, I mean, we're about to do Scientology, the musical. Right. And that, I mean, we've been doing that for three years. And okay. even the latest version is so incredibly different from the first version. And right. it's still very different from the most recent version okay. that we've done because we're constantly trying to update it. And I guess that's really good to know for people who have maybe maybe saw that show a couple of years ago. So if they come back now, it's, it's going to be quite different to what they originally saw. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the first time we did it, <laughs> people were so confused because we went so deep into Scientology mm. and people were just like just absolutely flabbergasted and they thought that we had made most of it up when in fact we were actually just basing this yeah. heavily on the research that we'd done so we slowly chipped away and thought of ways to like introduce uh, ways to explain to the audience that this is what Scientologists actually believe this yeah. is what they actually think you know how to convey that without breaking that fourth wall and, and just stripping out parts you know that, that maybe is too insane for, for your average punter. I mean can you, can you kind of give me an example of some of these sort of crazy 
wild theories that like, this particular religion believes in, and what you put into the play, what did you take from them? Sure, I mean, I think uh, one of the biggest things was sailor's suits. Okay, we dress up in, in sailor's outfits and, and you know, we're dancing around the stage and people thought, you know, you used like, has got nothing to do with Scientology, but you know, the sailor's outfits are actually the uniforms that they wear, right. their clergy, which lives on the sea and you know, on this uh, ship called the Free Winds and the clergy essentially, you know, like the, the, their Vatican uh, is this ship and, and they all dress up as sailors and that's their official uniform because Aaron Hubbard used to be a Navy captain and well, we didn't explain that the first time. Right, okay. And everyone's like, yeah, but why are they running around in sailors outfits? <laughs> like, they're not serious, they don't know anything about Scientology. Right. It's defamatory. It's like, well, no, actually, we're not trying to defame anyone. In fact, we're just trying to like present the facts and, yes. and let the the comedy, I guess, and the absurdity come out in the, the fact rather than the Of course, the but, but people misinterpret it. And I, I guess like a lot of us, we maybe saw like the Louis Theroux documentary on yep. Scientology. Uh, that's probably like kind of a bigger source of what people know. Um, so going to see your show, I can imagine, is quite an eye-opener. Yeah. When they <laughs> And see so you guys in sailor suits and doing all the crazy stuff you do. And a lot of the characters are defending Scientology. Because mm. uh, you know, they're Scientologists. The idea is you, you go into that show and you, you're being inducted into the church. Like, we're going to sign you up. We're going to convince you that Scientology is real. And that's kind of something we learnt, you know, compared to the first version, which was uh, we're trying to convince a character to join. and. Yeah gets easily convinced and said we cut that element out and this last version now is the audience are the audience and we're Scientologists and what you're seeing is just us trying to like explain how good Scientology is and right. of course it's naturally going to get derailed because yeah of course because, I mean well, people still join Scientology I mean yeah it's, it's pretty crazy I mean like I went into a, a church of Scientology just to to literally just talk to them to because I think it's good to see people's point of view and and it can often be misrepresented misrepresented like on TV or whatever and these guys are just fully indoctrinated. They they truly live that lifestyle. Oh yeah, yeah, and and they're just they are just normal people. Like yeah, yeah. absolutely. They're not running around with tinfoil hats or mm. um, you know they're not aliens. They're just like regular <laughs> people who I guess at some point were kind of down in their luck or they had mm. a problem and then you know Scientology comes along. Unlike the other religions, you know Christianity, are like yeah, come with us. We'll, We'll help you out. We'll we got you. some answers. Yeah. But Scientology, they're direct. They're like, "What's what is your problem? Yeah. Your specific <laughs> problem, and we will fix that specific problem." And that, I mean, that sounds great to anyone who's who's desperate for an answer. I mean, it is. It is. It's looking after people, and, and I can definitely see the appeal in it. But for you guys, what drew you to making a show about Scientology? Where where, where did our influence come from? I think just pure interest. Yeah. I mean, we wanted to do a musical about religion because we think religion is really interesting yeah absolutely uh, obviously the book of mormon had just come out so we're thinking we can jump on that bandwagon and mm. ride their coattails i mean it's a completely different show to book of mormon i think a lot of people come in thinking oh it's like a big musical but uh it's like way less production value <laughs> than than you're gonna get at, at that level but yeah i think it's i think it's a really interesting topic and so and i think the best stuff to write about are things that you find interesting you know yeah. like and it's it's deep as well. Like it's, tentacles kind of spread out through everywhere. There's so many. Even even going back to its founder, like the founder's story, which happened, you know, in the 50s, is like infinitely interesting. This guy who was a, a pulp fiction writer, and he uh, 
you know, he was, people reckon he was probably, you know, quite mentally unwell at some point, but he still managed to pull his way through all of this to yeah. begin one of the most successful religions, or well, they are legally a religion in most countries. Uh, you know, he managed to, to create this thing and, and embed himself in history. Like, that's impressive. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I did like a, a little bit of research kind of before meeting you today and sort of tried to brush up on some stuff. And like, I think he only ever gave like one interview or something, like on TV in, in like the 70s or the 80s. And then you hear these stories of people who were somehow were, like left for church. And they say he was like, you know, this violent man who would sort of have temper tantrums and hit people and all this horrendous stuff that came out. And it's, it's. Well, yeah, I mean, that's certainly. Well, that's David Miscavige, I think. Is that who you're talking about? The uh, yeah, sorry, not uh, not Ron Hubbard. Not Ron Hubbard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, David Miscavige. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. is. Um, yeah, he's. I mean, the whole big. I think the Leo Remy's doing a thing right now about. Um, uh, you know, what where's Shelley Miscavige, his wife? Like, there's kind of big speculation because no one's seen her in like ten years or something wow. like that. And he is, and yeah, he is a violent man. I think there's a reason why he doesn't do interviews yeah. because <laughs> I just don't think it's going to go well for him. Probably not, no. Because yeah, it's no secret that Scientology is uh, strange. So, uh, going back to kind of a musical side of stuff, I mean, you are a multi-instrumentalist. I mean, lead vocals, guitar bass and some some keys as well yeah a bit of keys yeah bit of keys yeah, as yeah. well that's that's a lot to do on one night in one show to and I, I see you guys in the band and depending who's singing the song or who's coming down to the crowd you're just constantly altering Shh. instruments how, how does that work how did you plan that um I, yeah i guess well, i mean it all comes out of like everyone kind of writing different songs and different parts you know like if two guys will come in and they have both written something on guitar together then mm that kind of leaves the other instruments bare. Right. For, for, you know, so we're happy just to jump on it and, and grab. Um, certainly like, I mean, uh, Pud Hamilton uh, is who, uh, he, he, one of the guys, he's really good at playing guitar and piano, like incredible. I can, I can do just fine on piano. I can, yeah. <laughs> I can get by playing chords and I can, you know, right, learn right, right. something if I really learn it. You know, right. I mean, he's quite talented on many instrument touches and same for um, uh, Dan, who can play the saxophone as well, so. Right, yeah. It's, yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, it, it makes it more fun and more dynamic. And none of us want to be like the, the middle guy. We really want it to be like a, a front, there's no front man. We really want to like keep it quite a, a chorusy thing. Everyone jumping, jumping yeah. in off the middle. Keep it interesting. Keep Definitely. It. I mean, like, uh, I, interesting is certainly one word I would describe for your show. I mean, talking about saxophones, like, there's a bit in, in your show where, uh, there's like a saxophone solo, uh, but they're wearing like the big, the, the, cat, the cat's head. Yeah, yeah. And then was that the same part where you, you just like drank a pint of warm milk? Uh, that, yeah, that came a bit later. Yeah, I did. I discovered a pint of warm milk and then we had a, a rave. Yeah. Yeah. It gets, it gets heavy. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a weird kind of escalation, uh, the way these things happen. Like, you know, we, we have a song, so like... And then we just keep adding things until, I mean, this stage is four by four meters, so it's tiny, so we can barely stand yeah. on it. So we've actually had to strip a lot of things out because we wow. just can't physically fit mm. enough stuff on the stage. Uh, and it makes it absolutely hectic because half the time you're just trying to look, look for something to grab and put on your head. Uh, but certainly I think 
that song where Dan does the sax solo, I think it's Christ Likes to Eat Pussy is the name of it. Right. And, and that one get, gets a little bit of like a, we were really worried about singing that, whether or not that's going to go well or poorly, because it's one of these <laughs> phrases that gets uttered again and again, and people can't tell if it's offensive or not. Well, I mean, kind of, you know, Christ Likes to Eat Pussy, where did that even spring from? What, his Dan had a, was at? Dan, he had a dream. Okay. I, okay. <laughs> not of picturing that, but just of, of, of that line, and the whole song was just that line. It was just like, Christ likes to eat pussy. <laughs> and he'd just sing it again and again for like three minutes. And we're like, oh, we're going to have something else in here. <laughs> it's got to be some more It's got to be something about. occurring around it. And then the idea behind that was, okay, well, Christ probably did like to eat pussy. Right? right? There's nothing wrong with that. He's <laughs> just a person. Just I mean, a human. He could have been the son of God, some may say. It doesn't mean that he didn't like to eat pussy. And then that goes for everyone. Like, And then it's like, well, I guess like, you know, George Clooney's just a guy as well. Yeah, like, right. He's just getting tired and he drinks his Nespresso. And, and like, <laughs> you know, Chris Hemsworth, you know, like he has to go to the gym and he doesn't want to go to the gym sometimes. And, you know, like watching TV. There's people. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that in itself is that's a great mentality to have. I mean, I, I like how you kind of started saying you didn't go after like a specific religion, just sort of all of them in general. And, and like when that song hit, I remember just turning to the person next to me and just being like, wow, this is... We did not know we were, what we were walking into with your show. I can't tell if it's offensive or not. Like, I, we performed it for a couple of people who are Christians. And they, they certainly walked out of the room. Yeah, I, yeah, I bet. That's, that's, yeah, it's not <laughs> yeah, we're like, okay, we're gonna see what you think. Is this okay? Yeah. And they were like, it's, it's a bit not. much. It's a bit much for them, which I, yeah, I could probably... Uh... I mean, you know, it, it's freedom of speech, isn't it? Like, you have the right to say anything, and they have a right to react to anything you say. Absolutely, you know, and I think there is a line that... Uh, and a lot of people really cross that line. I don't think that that one really touches the line uh, yeah, for most cool. people. Yeah. <laughs> for you, I, I feel like watching your show, it's very, like, it's a lot of harmless fun, and I don't think you're... It's not like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like you're not going to pull like a fundamentalist Christian up from your show and, you know, completely humiliate them personally on stage. No, absolutely. You know, it's a nice atmosphere to be in and I would really encourage anyone to, if they haven't, just, just go check the show out. Yeah, I mean, nice. you've got, uh, is it the 13th of March? you got Scientology starting 13th at Fringe? To the 13th to the 17th, yeah. So that's a 100-minute special, so that'll be a, oh, okay. yeah, a big one, interval and... Uh, Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and uh, and this one, which will be a uh, GGPEG, George Glass proves the existence of God, which 11:30 p.m. every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, for something truly mad, <laughs> truly mad. It is. It's it's very surreal, and it's it's funny how you said like you've been compared to the Mighty Boosh, and that style of comedy, and I guess it's just so out there against so many of the you know like the general sitcoms or kind of the. The, the, the American market now, but we see it through like, you know, the Big Bang Theory or like How I Met Your Mother and it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a galaxy apart from that. It's just... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, and there's so much of that comedy out there. Mm. And, um, yeah, I mean, really, what we want to do is, yeah, we want to make a good music and a funny show and somehow, like, combine them together to make something that's, yeah, perhaps a bit different to... To, to something else you might see around. I mean, there's lots of like weird and wonderful stuff at mm. the fringe, and uh, we want to try and add to definitely to that jigsaw piece, you know, that jigsaw puzzle. So how, I'm I'm kind of curious as uh, as an artist, how do you feel before the shows? Do you do you feel like I know a lot of guys suffer with stage fright, uh, a lot of adrenaline? 
uh, knowing that you're going to go on stage and it's it's quite open every night, you know that you're, you're going to drink, like, I mean, that warm milk that's been sat there, it, it kind of clicked with me halfway through what you were doing, that that milk has been sat on that stage on hot, heavy stage lights for the best part of the last hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, you're going to spew that in a second. That's going to be nasty. And I've come very close one night to, uh, <laughs> to throwing... To throwing, throwing up on stage. Especially I'm, like, a little hungover from the night right. before. It doesn't fit well. No. It's um, and it is. It's like it is. It's not. It's long life milk, so it's not <laughs> been refrigerated. It's just sitting in the in the shipping container next to the next oh, to the tent for uh, <laughs> yeah, for the good part of this month. So it's just like sat in the sun right now. Oh ah, yeah, right now it's just sitting there cooking away on this forty degree day. Yeah. And then I mean, later tonight I'll pop it open and put it in my body. <laughs> I mean, right now, like you know, you say it's forty degrees. We're, we're sat here in Adelaide, just absolutely like sweating and you've got oh, to go and do a show later yeah yeah just pouring with sweat it's just yeah, it's great but it's disgusting perfect at night though. yeah yeah it gets a little cool right? and short so but a nervous um yeah absolutely uh mm. certainly bef- the first time you do a show like new material i think is is pretty pretty scary because you don't know how it's going to be received mm. you really don't know like if there are dead parts, and that's why I talk about like constantly working, rewriting the show, and and we have this one even, you know, rewriting it as it goes, like just tweaking parts, pulling things, adding things that, you know, and like I said, that's why the, the show gets quite messy as well because <laughs> because we're constantly like, oh, we could probably beef this up a bit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I think the first time you do um, new stuff, it is quite daunting. Mm. Uh, often a, a smaller crowd is a bit scarier than a bigger crowd. Right. Uh, you know. Be- I think because you can really feel something fall flat or, you know, even yes. if or even if it doesn't sometimes like when there's only like four or five people <laughs> sitting in the audience, uh, yeah, you know, you kind yeah, of feel they, uh, a pressure a bit more. Uh, it can be tough gigs, I mean, because you, there's no, there's no hiding it. If, if someone's not into it, yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. going to laugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if like, they don't like the song, they're not going to move to it. But equally, if you're playing to a room of like one, two hundred people, I guess people feed off a vibe of it. Well, yeah, exactly. They? Yeah, the odds are, are better in your, yeah, in your favor. You know, like, yeah, and people do. You know, even if like ten percent of the crowd is loud, that ten percent equates to like you know, twenty people rather than uh, you know two people. Yeah. Then, um, then at least that will kind of yeah generate you know that infectious laughter. I mean, yeah, I think last Thursday we had um, with five people in the audience. And uh, two of them, or two of them were at least reviewers. Right. One of them was that drunk guy that I said that walked out the back and threw up. That spewed up, yeah. And then we had two other people that we do. So it was like, you know, I mean, those. Uh, but, I mean, I, on that night, I think you just got to go even harder than, yes. than what you would because you can't, you can't hold anything back. You can't cover anything. You can't cover mistakes with noise. You just mm. got to like really like slam through a show and. Uh, oh, you got to go for it. I mean, how, like you've sort of been across the world, sort of with the other guys in the band and so you've done Edinburgh you're obviously now in Australia how do you find uh, different audiences across the world react to your show does it go down better in a certain city or a certain country how, how have you found that yeah I would say that um, it was hard to say because the shows can be quite different between um, between places but there's certainly like I find that the, um, the kind of more slapstick and high energy zany moments seem to do well over in Edinburgh whereas maybe Adelaide's a bit more of a of a listening crowd uh, right. sometimes but I, I was saying it's it's a totally different demographic because like Adelaide Fringe 
is mostly Adelaidean sing shows. Mm. So you know, it's it's like it's that's why weekends. Oh, sorry. That's, right, that's why weekends are so uh, packed. Yeah. That's why um, because you know it's it's Adelaide and we we call it Mad March here because everything happens in Adelaide in March, half of every half of March, and then then it disappears and then. Right. Whereas in Edinburgh, it's, it's tourists. Mm, you know, like I, I hear that most people from Edinburgh get get the hell out of Edinburgh yeah. <laughs> because they know it's going to be like swarmed with millions and millions. So it's like you know, and people are there to see shows, and that's why you know you can pack a house at like two a.m. Yes. in Edinburgh because everyone's just there for it. They love you it. You know, yeah. it's not like it's here and we're already here. It's like we're here for it. So they come specifically for, yeah. the, for the festival for the show. So it is. It is a different feel. Uh, and also, and like, I think Adelaide, Adelaide aren't big pre-bookers. They won't, right. they won't you know, they, they just kind of rock up. Yeah. Uh, whereas like Edinburgh is like pre-book, you know, I was talking to a few people, you know, came from overseas doing shows and they're like, yeah, so what's the deal with Adelaide? Like, you can never tell, like we'll have like no pre-sales and then like a hundred people will turn up. Yeah. Or like, you know, or no one will turn up. It's just impossible it's to tell. It's hit and yeah. You know, and, um, it's super interesting. It's a really cool observation as well. Uh, so, so Nick, I, I, I really, because I feel like you may have a couple. Can you tell us of any of the, the craziest or crazier experiences that you've had whilst performing on stage or any uh, any instances that stand out in your mind whilst doing these shows? Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, we've been pretty lucky uh, without getting like any hecklers, especially from Scientology. I really thought we'd get people coming in and screaming at us. <laughs> but really, most of the, the crazy stuff has happened around, like, it's certainly with Scientology. Like, um, we've had people come and film us on the streets, flying, like, cameras, like, just standing there for a couple of hours filming us and then came back the next day and filmed us some more. Really? Uh, in Edinburgh, the, they found expanding foam in one of the, the drains in one of the toilets. Like, the... The toilet's been sabotaged, and so like our theatre flooded wow. with uh, with poo. Like, there's okay. a poo floating <laughs> down the hallway. They had, to, they had to shut the venue for two days because the air was like too toxic. Um, wow. Yeah. So like. So do you believe this was actual kind of like sabotage from Scientologists or? Well, the expanding foam definitely seems like sabotage. I don't know if it was Scientology related or not. Okay. Uh, you know. And then they continue to have toilet problems for like the rest of the run, and, and that could have just been you know, five hundred year old plumbing in a right. in a country that eats haggis as their yeah. national food. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's hard to know. But yeah, it certainly was like kind of some of the more stranger things that have occurred around yeah. the show. I mean, people coming and just filming you on the streets for a couple of hours. I mean. Yeah. Well, at first I thought it was like, oh, this this guy's just like getting footage of like this is in Melbourne actually of like oh just flyering yeah um, you know he just wants to get the atmosphere mm. but he was very specific of filming us and it, he followed and for you around. a very long time and then he came back the next day and right. continued to film did, did you engage with him in, in conversation I or tried ask him why? yeah I was just like how are you going I mean he just he said nothing like he was just like right. just continued to film and like I didn't want to like get agitated at him or anything yeah. it's like to be honest with you I don't really care, like, whatever, like... <laughs> it's, it's, it's just interesting that people seem to have sort of found you and, and are filming you and always kind of sabotaging these shows and these, and these gigs now because maybe it's because of the content you're putting out, maybe not, it's... You know, we've had, a, we, you know, we have posters torn down, we had a, like a, kind of a fence scrim, which is like a big kind of netted 
advertisement that sits on like, the outside of like a festival oh, right, yeah. area. Mm. And yeah, and that, like ours were like cut down like really? during our season. And, okay. You know, so we get, I mean, you have had threatening emails, like very vaguely threatening, like, you know, oh, this is risky coming into this city and performing this. Like, oh, very risky to do it. Like, so sort of just going ar- around. This could happen. Subject. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, oh, Not okay. saying like a specific threat, no, but no. very much, well, you know, this may happen to you. You might. Yeah. So, like, it sounds very mobster. Like, you yeah, know, kind like, of well, fatal yeah. accident might happen. Yeah, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did a show about um, Tony Abbott, which is our 27th uh, Prime Minister. It was right. quite, quite a turbulent time in office. and. Uh, yeah. And we actually got like worse threats from from like Liberal Party, uh, not party members, but Liberal supporters. Really? Wow. Uh, during that period, you know, like, you know, and they were more specific. Like, I think they were like, "We'll drag you, like, you know, we're going to drag you into the street and shoot you." Like, that's like a wow. specific threat. But also, I feel a kind of empty threat. Whereas there is something slightly more sinister when it's just like risky. Yeah, like, you don't know. And tearing down your your posters and flooding your venue with poo. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so has that sort of deterred the way you write or the way you you put your shows on? Has that sort of not not your confidence, but a, but I guess influence the way you write because you're you're scared of offending people or scared of what may happen to you? No, I look. We're, I'm, we're never really worried. Or scared of we don't really never worried about offending people. Mm. Um, we certainly we don't want to defame anyone. Like I think an easy route for. Certainly, Scientology musical would just to be harp on Tom Cruise jokes and right. uh, John Travolta jokes, yeah. uh, and we really didn't want to like kind of go down that alleyway at all, yeah. you know. And certainly with, um, I mean, we look, we we snuck in Tom Cruise movie film titles into the script, okay, like and you know fairly subtly as well, like we don't make a thing of it, that's and that's cool. probably about as close as we get to like picking on someone or going after an individual. Yeah. You know, it's it's more like we want to present the facts and and, and give the audience the chance to decide. But uh, I mean, it is absurdity. Uh, it is absurd because yeah, the subject matter is, and I think most people will, will get that. But uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I don't think we're we're not worried about offending anyone because we're not trying to attack. We're right. just trying to explain. No, no, no. Take their great. point of view, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, so. So looking towards, we're going to have to start to wrap up soon, but looking towards the future, what can we kind of expect from George Glass? Are some new projects coming out? Is Scientology going to be taken further or made into like a, into a movie? Or where's it going to go? I mean, we would, I would love to um, put it on in a, a bigger capacity. In fact, that's why uh, we've done the 100-minute version. Yeah. We're chatting to some uh, Austrians about getting it translated into German. Wow. Uh, you know, they thought there's a chance that it could be for the German market. Um, hmm. Because our Scientologists there. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. We 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 did want to take it to America. Unfortunately, we couldn't get through the the, the system. Yeah. Couldn't get through the couldn't get a visa passed. Apparently, <laughs> uh, didn't qualify. Okay. Um, so yeah, we'd love to, to take Scientology somewhere. We're gonna f- film it this season and, and put it online. And, but yeah, we'd really love to, to do something that make it a bit more. Um, like maybe take it out of the fringe circuit and put it into like a more bigger theatre capacity Uh, and then with Gigi Peg well that is an album you know it's an album that has a story in it so we're recording that with some local guys called Wizard Tone Studios and we're going to try and we're going to get that finished and we're going to try and take that on the road and um, you know see what people think of that you know see if it can translate so that you don't need 
the whole theatre spectacle. You can just have the music and wonder if it still works. That's going to be cool. Uh, out there, like on the road. So yeah, we'll, we'll see, hopefully. Awesome. So where's the best way to find you? Like, uh, just so people can check you out, like Spotify, you got some Yeah, you can jump on Spotify, you can jump on Apple Music or Pandora, any any streaming service. They've got George Glass, um, Scientology the Musical as well. Those albums are up there. Instagram, uh, GG Comedy, uh, Facebook, George Glass comedy I think I think there's too many George Glasses <laughs> on the internet for it to be just George Glass uh, yeah absolutely you can uh, have a listen to the music have a follow if you like it yeah, definitely well thank you so much for being on the show Nick it's been no, a great pleasure thanks for having me so you can check Nick out uh, at the Adelaide Fringe um, seeing uh, George Glass proves the existence of God and then the 13th to the 17th of March check out Scientology the musical 100 minute special don't miss out it's it's going to be absurd and crazy it's yeah it's going to change every night from the sounds of it check it out come along